Michelle Harris can tell you the exact date she met her husband. It was um, Friday, November 13th, 1987. And maybe it was because it was Friday the 13th, who knows, but she was feeling pretty unlucky. I was really frustrated. I was nearing the end of my, my, you know, the limits of my patience. She was 24, living in Honolulu, and running this construction company with her dad. And on that Friday, she was trying to get permits to fix up some buildings. But the guy behind the counter at the building department kept giving her a hard time. And Michelle, this petite blonde woman, figured this would not happen if she were a guy. So she called him out. And I'm just fuming. And three feet over is this other guy, you know, a customer as well, waiting to get a building permit. And he's laughing. I was laughing so hard. She just chewed him a new ass. It was just, by the time she was done, he was a pile of jelly. And I looked at him and I said, what's funny? Rob Harris, this burly contractor with big arms, was also there to get permits. And he was just in awe of Michelle. And, you know, that apparently that's just all he needed. I had him at what's funny. Two years after they met, they started dating. Then three months after that, they got married. But it would take decades to deal with what happened next. I'm Rima Khres, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. Today, a story about how taking on a spouse also means taking on their finances, for better and definitely for worse. For their honeymoon, Michelle and Rob flew from Hawaii to Austria to go skiing. And it felt exactly how it should. I had the most beautiful girl in the world, and I was flying high. We, we laughed so much. Mm. I mean, I don't think he and I slept a week because we would just we would we would lay in bed and laugh at stuff. And how were you expecting to feel when you came back? I was expecting to get back to work and getting back in the swing of things. It was the longest either of them had taken off from work, especially for Rob. He ran a successful construction company with this guy who we'll call Joe. And his partner, Joe, was the one who handled everything while he was gone. You know, paying the bills, dealing with clients. And when they came back from the honeymoon, the next morning, Rob went straight to work. But when he unlocked the steel door to his office, he immediately realized something was very, very wrong. The office was empty. No furniture, no phones, no files, nothing. What? Just cleaned out. Yeah. Rob says the office was just an empty shell with a couple wires hanging from the wall. It was like the twilight zone. He wondered, wait, did I walk into the right place? Yeah, of course, his key worked and the sign was on the front door. Then he thought, maybe they're painting. But literally, there was nothing there. He tried calling his business partner over and over again, but Joe would not pick up. I was just totally panicked um, because he just wouldn't call me back. And I was just praying that, oh, my God, he's going to say, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Rob. I, uh, uh, we moved over to this address. Here, come over here. You know, I was just hoping. He called Michelle, and she was way more skeptical. She told Rob to meet her at the bank ASAP so they could check on the company account, which only he and Joe had access to. And it was empty. Joe had taken everything out of the bank. 
$50,000 just left the account. Just like that. Boom. Gone. It was just unthinkable. Every day for weeks, Rob left Joe angry voicemail after angry voicemail. He'd swing by his house at odd hours, like the middle of the night. But it'd always be the same. No lights, no car, no Joe. He moved. He moved somewhere. He was just gone. They were in a really, really awful situation. Because not only did Joe wipe out the company account, but he also screwed over Michelle's construction business. Their two companies were working on a project together, and right before the honeymoon... I had given him all of the money that my company had access to in order to pay bills. Hmm. That was gone. $40,000. They were now drowning in debt. Suppliers like the hardware store, the paint company, and the lumber business, they all still expected money they were owed. But with the business account empty, Rob and Michelle were now on the line for it. There was no doubt that they were going to go after Joe. They started consulting lawyers and gathering all the evidence to sue him and get their money back. But till then... I got to go to work. I got to make money, you know. And so I went to work and she shifted through the mountain of paper. Then, one day, three months after they'd been robbed, Michelle was sitting at the kitchen table going through mail when she noticed these envelopes with big stamps on them that read IRS. Just when they thought things couldn't get worse, the letters said Rob owed the IRS for payroll taxes that had never been paid for his 30 employees. All totaled, when we had added up all the different periods for which payroll taxes had not been paid, it came to a quarter of a million dollars. Wait, what? Yeah, it was about $250,000. I was totally in denial. This had to be a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. The IRS was coming after Rob because his signature was on checks with missing taxes. Taxes that Joe was supposed to have paid. I think I sort of had this feeling of, you never once walked through these numbers with him. You never once sat down with him. Like, I was definitely stunned at the extent to which Rob had trusted him. Rob tried to get himself out of this mess. He called the IRS, told them they should go after Joe instead. But they didn't care. It was his name on the checks. I was angry. I was really, really angry. And so was Michelle. This was not how she pictured newlywed life. All of a sudden, financially, they were screwed. First, all that debt they owed people they worked with, and now the IRS. She had to ask herself, is this really it? Is this what I signed up for? Uh, it was just it was just a, a constant wave of nausea. Did you think you'd wake up the next day and maybe it'd be all gone or that it no. was just no. No. I that I, I from that moment forward I was gripped with insomnia for a couple oh. of decades. Like literal insomnia? Oh yeah. I sleep was the very last thing I could ever do. So while they built a case against Joe, Michelle did what plenty of people in relationships do. She stepped up to help her partner. She decided to tap into her personal account, where she had about $16,000 saved up. And I had set it aside as my nest egg to be able to buy a house. But now her priority was to work and pay off the debts. And to do that, she needed money to pay workers and buy more materials. When she went to access her personal savings, though, 
there was nothing there. And I thought, is it, how, where did it go? Now, this just felt like a twisted joke. Michelle demanded to talk to a bank manager, and that's when he told her. The IRS took it. If the IRS issues this demand, the bank is obligated by law to turn this money over. And I, and I, I remember trying to argue my case mm. <laughs> to the, <laughs> to the yeah. bank manager who's just sitting there saying, ma'am, there's nothing we can do for you. She didn't understand. This was her personal savings, not her husband's. She wiped the tears running down her cheeks, stormed out, and called their lawyer to figure out what the hell was going on. He called me back and he said, the, the IRS believes that they're lawfully entitled to this money because now you're married to Rob. And what did you make of that? What did I make of it? I thought that was rubbish. Yeah, naturally. Like, I would feel freaking pissed. Yeah, just, you know, shaking with anger. Michelle was learning the hard way that when you marry someone, you often end up taking on whatever financial baggage they come with. And right now, that was more than $300,000 in debt. Was there a part of you that questioned the marriage or considered leaving? I do recall um, a couple of friends suggesting to me that that might be an option. And I just remember thinking that it, like not, not seeing it. I felt so confident in our ability to solve every problem. So she took a deep breath and started focusing on how she and Rob could climb out of this hole together. But that meant taking on a role she never expected. That's after the break. It's easy to know you want to make a change in your life, but it is hard to actually do it. How to Be a Better Human from TED is a podcast for when self-help feels too daunting or maybe even unrealistic or just not for you. I'm Chris Duffy, the host of How to Be a Better Human, and trust me, I do not have it all figured out. But join me as I talk to experts about actually attainable ways we can try to improve our lives. Whether it's facing fears, setting boundaries, cleaning your house without feeling like a failure, or all sorts of other topics. Find How to Be a Better Human wherever you get your podcasts. Last Day is a show about the moments that change us. I just don't think I will ever get used to this. I'm Stephanie Whittles-Wax, and I have had one of these moments. We all have. So let's unpack the chaos that is our human existence together. I don't believe things happen for a reason. I don't believe the universe has a plan. Each week, I sit down with a new guest to explore happy, sad stories of transformation. It's leaning far, far into the pain. That's what it is. Listen to Last Day wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway, maybe somewhere tropical. Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. About six months after the robbery, as the Harrises were picking up the pieces of their life, Michelle told Rob she had some news. 
we were at the kitchen table talking over stuff. And uh, she said, oh, and by the way, <laughs> uh, we're going to have a, a child. And I said, great. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. It was like the bright light mm. amidst all the chaos. We were so excited. Were you also scared about what that would mean financially? Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, we need one more thing. Great. <laughs> you know? After basically losing everything, they had to make a lot of changes. They downsized their house, traded in their nice truck for a stripped-down model, and started living off credit cards. Dealing with all this stress, they kind of naturally took it out on each other. And the thing is, they had promised to always be super honest. So they didn't hold back. You feel hopeless. You want to blame somebody and hope that's going to fix it, and it doesn't. We started seeing each other as occasional adversaries and nitpickers and skeptics. Michelle had also hired Rob onto her company. So fights about work started seeping into the bedroom. But the one thing they definitely did agree on was that they needed to work as much as possible to start paying down the more than $300,000 they owed the IRS, vendors, and subcontractors. I I was just gone. There was one time I had worked so many hours, almost 110 hours I put in that, that week. I saw him willing to do so much to provide, but that he wasn't always willing to do the homework. What do you mean by that? Follow up. Go over the bank statement. Look at the actual paper checks. And with Rob away working all the time, it fell on Michelle to do something she hated, the clerical duties for their business. Basically, the billing, making payments to all the people they owed, fielding angry calls from vendors. And because she was good at this sort of thing, she was also assigned with the task of building a case against Joe by going through all the old invoices, statements, and checks. Sort of rebuilding this paper trail, and that became one of my my biggest roles that I just despised the most. Did you feel like you had to take on the paperwork to protect your family? Absolutely. And as she built a timeline, she made a really big discovery. The only times the payroll taxes went unpaid were the weeks Joe asked Rob to sign off on the checks. And instead of paying the IRS, she says Joe had been writing checks to himself. Buried deep in this paperwork, Michelle desperately missed the day-to-day work of construction. I got stuck with just the most miserable part of the job because his days were devoted to producing and creating and the thing that really sparks joy in my life. And I had to go back and relook at all of these checks in every moment that somebody was stealing from me. It'd be like watching, if you were to watch somebody steal from your home on a, you know, on a, like a security camera. Yeah. And then have to watch it again. And you're going to watch it again. And tonight you're going to watch it over again. And it was just, it was just like a a nightmare. Of course. No, that sounds incredibly difficult. But when Michelle turned the evidence over to the lawyers, they came back with something that was a really hard pill to swallow. They said, honestly, Joe had gone about this in a really smart way. He'd never written himself a check for the exact same amount owed to anyone else. And he'd created a legal mess on one of their existing jobs. So pursuing him would just be too complicated. Your attorney basically told you to drop it? Yep, that's exactly right. 
the law has nothing to do with justice. It's who can play the game better. I don't know. If I were in their position, I'd have a really hard time just moving on. But I get it. It was a really dark period for them. They were broke. And when you take someone to court, there's no guarantee things will work in your favor. But they did get some good news, something that would change everything. Their tax lawyer had successfully convinced the IRS that the payroll tax debt shouldn't all fall on Rob since he wasn't the sole owner of the company. So instead of owing a quarter of a million, their lawyer got it reduced to 80000 It was uh, It was magic. <laughs> I, I wanted champagne for <laughs> breakfast, you know? <laughs> it was just like, holy crap. Yeah, Michelle wasn't as enthusiastic. Because I was like, I don't have 80000 either. She had a point. They were still scraping by, making tiny, just sometimes $10 a week payments to everyone they owed. For the next decade or so, they handled things as a team, raising two daughters, running a company, and constantly working. Like, even when Michelle gave birth to their second daughter, she remembers someone handing her blueprints in the hospital room. And all this work, it took a toll on their family. Time spent with our girls was the thing that we could never get back. We didn't have lazy Saturdays. If if we were home on Saturday, we were sound asleep. Yeah. (laughs) We were either working or sleeping or or bidding another job. (laughs) Then in 2002, 12 years after all this started, their IRS balance finally ticked down to zero. They paid it off, which you'd think would be a big deal but they still owed $50,000 on their credit cards, and their company was still $25,000 in debt. Michelle says every time they almost got ahead, a job would fall through or there'd be a materials shortage, and they'd be in the hole again. So Michelle decided to be prepared for the next speed bump. They'd need to start saving. But Rob refused. He wanted everything to go to debt. If we had a single penny in interest due, it didn't make sense to save. Oh, we fought about that so much. So for the first time in her relationship with Rob, Michelle started lying to him. I was taking money and burying it in a hidden savings account. I was just always skimming off the top, a little bit of money wow. here, a little bit of money here, a little bit of money here, a little bit of money here. You know, if if I moonlighted on the weekend and somebody paid me in cash, that went in a box. I didn't spend it. I didn't put it in my pocketbook. I just stuck it in a box. Wait, and did Rob know about it, this? No, I, I because he was not on board with the plan. And this went on for years. And I was always holding him to a tighter budget than he wanted, and he kept saying, I thought we made more on that job. And I go, nope, it's too bad, I know, but it just didn't work out that way. Then, in the summer of 2010, Rob had just gotten home from a long day of work, and Michelle was sitting in the office going over some paperwork. And she says, oh, my God. And I said, what? And she goes, look at this. And she lays out the spreadsheet. These are our assets. This is the cash value. She had made these big payments on their credit cards and had paid off their car loan using money she'd been hiding. All of a sudden, they owed less money than they had. They were no longer in the red. He was thunderstruck. How did you do that? And I was like, oh, by lying to you, you know, (laughs) which is such a joke because we didn't lie to each other. But it was the only way for me to you know, get through those times. And I'm like, oh, we made it. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Did it feel surreal to be sitting there 20 years yes. after the whole debacle? Yeah. Today, the Harrises live outside Portland, Oregon, and still work in the construction industry as building inspectors. They say life is calmer now. They have stable hours and more time with their kids. And in terms of Joe, they never did confront him or get an explanation. He's not someone they like to dwell on. When talking with Rob and Michelle, the thing I kept thinking about is what it means to be in a marriage. Because when you marry someone, the other person's financial life, their decisions, their habits, their mistakes, suddenly impact you too. And for years, Rob felt incredible guilt and kept blaming himself for poor judgment. My family suffered so much. You know, they, they didn't get the education that I wanted to give them. And they didn't get the, the lifestyle I wanted to give them. And, you know, I grew up in a poor family. And, of course, you're always saying, hey, my kids are going to have it better. And they didn't. So much of their marriage was spent digging themselves out of a massive financial hole. And Michelle, like any person would, of course, has felt angry and frustrated. But there was also an understanding that the only way we were going to get ourselves out of this mess was working together. Yeah, because I knew without a shadow of a doubt that she always had my back. Always. And I guess that's actually the beauty of a partnership, when it's a healthy one. You have someone else by your side to help fix those financial mistakes and to take on roles they never expected to. Like Michelle, dedicating all that energy and time to chasing down Joe and trying to keep their business afloat. I, I confess I was resentful that I had to do just the books. But I didn't, I didn't like, hide it. I was pretty, you know open so that it wouldn't become like a a cancer Mm. in the relationship. I would always say, just because I'm good at this doesn't mean that I enjoy being the one having to do this. But like Michelle will tell you, sometimes we do things we don't enjoy for the people we love, even if that involves a quarter million dollar price tag. Um, At the count of three, could you all say what role you have in the relationship? One, two, three. I'm just the patient one. (laughs) Oh, for I'm the peacekeeper. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) He's the steadfast workhorse, and I'm the hard-ass boss lady. (laughs) I love that. That's that's great. And again, I just also want to reiterate. Just because I'm good at it doesn't mean I like it. (laughs) You heard that? (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) By the way, Michelle and Rob are actually listeners of the show and wrote in to share their story. If you ever want to drop us a note, you can reach me at uncomfortable at marketplace.org. You can also find me on Twitter at Rima Reis. All right, that's all for this week's show. This is Uncomfortable is me, Rima Khreis, Megan Dietrich, Haley Hirschman, Peter Balanon-Rosen, and Daisy Palacios. Our intern is Daniel Martinez. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Charlton Thorpe is our engineer. Editing by Sarah Kramer. Sitara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. And Deb Clark is the senior vice president and general manager of Marketplace. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right, I'll catch y'all next week.
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.